The following program is paid programming. The views expressed on the following program are those of its hosts and participants, and nowhere reflect those of the ownership, staff, or advertisers of WNRI. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Joe Luca Real Estate Show. I am Joe and I'm your host every Tuesday evening right here on WNRI. We are on 99.9 FM, 1380 AM, as well as WNRI.com and Facebook.com. If we are friends and you can check us out after the fact on Spotify, just look for the Joe Luca Real Estate Show or Cup of Joe Luca and uh, you'll find the show. A little bit about me. I am a a licensed realtor. I work with buyers and sellers of residential and commercial property in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. I've uh, been doing this. uh, been a realtor since about 2006. And um, so I've been through a couple of different business cycles and I'm very experienced at uh, seeing what goes on with the market when interest rates go up and go down. I can remember, uh, you know, when I first bought, when I bought my first property, it was um, rates were a lot higher and I was grateful to have gotten a rate of 9.95 because rates were a lot higher. Everybody was getting double digit rates way back then. (coughs) Excuse me. So. You know, things change quite a bit. Interest rates go up. Interest rates go down. Um, Short term, you may see property values go up. You may see the economy crash. Things happen. But one thing that's consistent through all of this, and again, big picture, is that real estate is a great place to park your money. And I talked about this a few months ago, but just we'll revisit it again in case people weren't listening. Back in 1980, the median price of a single-family home in the United States was a little bit under 100000 bucks, about $97,000. Fast forward to 1999-2000, the median price of a single-family house in the United States was double that. It was in the 200, low, low 200s. Fast forward again to where we are today. So we're 23 years forward and a little more than 20 years. But um, the median price of a single family home in the United States is now about $430,000. And that's actually what it is in Rhode Island, $430,000. So it continues to go up. And if you want to you know, get into the numbers, the nitty gritty of it, after factoring in inflation, okay, So we remove inflation for the reason that the value of the homes and real estate have gone up. Homes, single-family homes, still appreciated at an average annual rate of about 7%. 7%. And what's even more amazing is during that period, we had the largest real estate crash in history. So in spite of that crash, homes still, over that period, appreciated accumulated equity at, a, at an average rate of about 7%. One of the reasons is because everything's supply and demand. There's only so much real estate to go around. There's only so much land and there's only so much buildable land and then only so much of that buildable land is being built upon. So it's always somewhat of a tight supply. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, you might be saying, well, this, Joe, this really doesn't matter to me because I'm a tenant I'm a, and I rent. I, I can't afford to buy a house or I don't want to buy a house um, or whatever the reason is that you, not everybody should be a homeowner. Not everyone wants to be a homeowner and that's, that's fine. But the, the, the availability is there for pretty much anyone who wants it. Now, we're going through a period right now that inventory is exceptionally tight um, and by exceptionally tight, I mean there are a lot, a lot more buyers who are in the market actively looking 
for homes, buyers who are pre-approved, so they already called a bona fide, you know, mortgage lender and found out that they can, they think, excuse me, they can qualify to buy a home and they have a pre-approval in hand, okay? And even though interest rates have increased and many of those buyers can't afford their new monthly payment, we still have more buyers than sellers. I don't see this changing in the foreseeable future. So next year, two, three years, I don't see it changing because we do not have enough new construction coming on the market. Yes, building permits are up, but it's going to take a while for all of these homes to hit the market. It's going to take a while for these homes to be ready for sale. Okay. As of today, as of right now, at what, 611, we have about 841 single-family homes for sale in the entire state of Rhode Island. 841. We have 150 multifamily homes for the entire state of Rhode Island. 150. And for condominiums, we finally broke the 200 number. We have 208 condominiums for sale in the entire state of Rhode Island. Again, for perspective, in 2017, we had about between 4,500 and 5,000. So we are a fraction of that. And this is despite the fact that interest rates are higher than they've been in a while. We've, in fact, experienced the fastest increase in short-term rates, which is the Fed funds rate, in history. And that makes it a lot more difficult for people to buy a home to because your debt-to-income increases. All of your short-term debts increase. So if you have a home equity line, if you have lines of credit, if you have credit cards, car loans, those numbers, those rates all increase significantly. Okay? The mortgage rate has also increased. And despite that, despite the fact that as of right now, according to Mortgage News Daily, my go-to site for mortgage interest rates, a 30-year fixed rate mortgage is 7.26%. A 30-year FHA, 6.96. 30-year VA, 6.95. So we still have low, well, not low, lower rates on the FHA and VA programs. Um, but this is a lot higher than we were before. Perspective, when at the turn of the century, I like saying that, it sounds so long ago, but it wasn't. It's only 23 years ago. Um, at the it was, these were the rates that people were getting and for their mortgage. It was in the sixes and sevens. Now, you may get a rate higher than that if you're looking, if you don't have really good credit, if you have too much debt, if... Um, you know, you have some late payments or some charge-offs, things like that. Those really are, do a lot of harm to your credit. And if you have that, rest assured, you are not destined to have that for the rest of your life. You can improve your credit. There are things that can be done. You just have to think of it as a journey. It's not something that you can wave a magic wand at and in 30 days you're going to have great credit. So if your credit right now is in the 500s or 600s, you can get up into the 700s. But you have to have a game plan. I work with folks who do that. So if you do want to learn about that, you can certainly reach out to me after the show, 401-409-5030. You can call or text me, Joe Luca, 401-409-5030, and we can put together a game plan for you so that you will be able to qualify for a mortgage. Okay. So, what does all this mean if you're a renter? Well, if you're a renter, you should hopefully be trying to put yourself in a position so that you can buy a home because homeowners have a net worth that is 30 to 35 times greater than that of renters. Okay, there's a a multitude of reasons for that. Um, We won't get into that right now, but um, it's just a great way to establish a firm financial footing for your family going forward, for your kids and then grandkids, et cetera, et cetera. 
um, you know, when you, if you're a big saver and you save all your money, you're renting a, an apartment, you don't have high rent, and you save all of your money and it sits in the bank, what happens is there is a silent tax that hurts you, and that's called inflation. So not only are you where we are now not getting a, a huge interest rate on your savings, inflation eats into that. So if you're getting 2% on the money that you have in the bank and in, the inflation rate is 3% and you're paying taxes on that 2%, you're really not saving anything. The best place to put money when you are, um, when there, there are times of inflation is to put your money in real estate, whether it's a condominium, a multifamily, a single family. These are really great considerations um, for the average American. And you should think about it. You should put together a game plan on how to do that. You should be fully aware of what's involved with owning a home, a single-family home, what's involved with owning a multifamily home when you're collecting rents to help pay the mortgage, and what's involved with a condominium. Condominiums are great opportunities for people to get into home ownership who do not want to have to deal with landscaping and snow removal. But there are other constraints that you have to deal with that um, a lot of folks are unaware of, okay? You know, one of the first things when I have a client that uh, puts an offer in on a condominium and if the offer, offer is accepted, one of the first things I send them are the condominium bylaws. And if they're available beforehand, I send them to them beforehand so they are aware, as long as they read them, what covenants they will need to abide by. There are some condominium developments that don't allow any pets at all. You can own your own condo, but you, you can't even have a bird inside your condo. You have a designated place to wash your car. You can't leave lawn furniture out in the yard. You know, lots of different things like that. And it does vary from one condominium development to the other. And then you have to be aware of, you know, what is required and then what's enforced. Okay, so sometimes people can say, oh, yeah, we, can, we have pets. Pets are allowed in here. I have a pet. And you go, you buy the condo, you move in, and you get a pet. And then somebody complains, and now you realize you can't have a pet. Well, you didn't read the condo bylaws where they say there were no pets allowed. So just because it wasn't enforced before doesn't mean that you can have a pet now. You would still be in violation of the condo bylaws. But again, condominiums are generally less expensive than single-family homes. Um, and you don't, there's, all you have to do for maintenance is take care of your four walls and in. Keep it vacuum clean, whatever you want, or leave it a mess if you want. But, um... That, that's what you have to be concerned with regarding a condo. <clears throat> so one of the things that all the properties have in common is they, when you own real estate, you have to pay property taxes. You have to pay insurance to maintain the property. Um, it's different. The type of the insurance for a condominium is for typically the studs in and the master policy, which is paid by the condo association, uh, is for the exterior and all the structural aspects of the condominium. But nevertheless, you, you are required to have that, especially if you have a mortgage. Okay. So whatever property you own, even if you pay cash for it, you're going to have to pay property taxes and you're going to have to uh, have insurance to maintain your property. And we've had... Um, I had Celeste on from the Benjamin Insurance Agency a couple of months ago. That's a great insurance agent that you should reach out to if you have any questions. They can take really good care of you. Um, so the things that all property owners, even commercial property owners, have in common is taxes and insurance. Okay, property taxes and insurance. And then you also need to be concerned with, if you have a mortgage, your mortgage interest. So... In this country, we have the ability to deduct on our taxes the interest that we pay on the mortgage every month. This is for a primary home, a home that you live in. Okay, so it gets different when you start talking about investment properties and uh, second homes, vacation homes, things like that. We're not going to talk about those tonight. We're going to keep it simple. Most people who own a home, only own one home. So we'll talk about that. So that's a big benefit. So when you first buy a house, if your payment is for every dollar you pay in, you might only be paying one penny towards the principal or two pennies towards the principal, and the rest is going towards the interest. The way banks, when they give a mortgage to a borrower, so they, the borrower can buy the home, they have the cash, 
they give it to the seller. The bank, the payment stays the same for 30 years as long as you get a fixed rate mortgage. So your payment to repay that mortgage will stay the same for 30 years. But the ratio of how much of your dollar goes towards principal and interest changes the longer you're paying on that loan. So in the, for the first five years, 10 years of your mortgage, you look at the balance and it really hasn't gone down that much. That's because the bank gets all of their interest up front. Okay, that's their income on the loan, which is the interest. So they make all the money up front, and then as the loan stays on the books longer and longer, they're getting less income from that loan, and the borrower is paying off the principal portion. Why is this? Well, the reason for this is because like 15 years ago when we had all these houses that were foreclosed on, the banks that had provided those mortgages... Most of the payments that were being made were being, the payments were towards the interest that was due on those mortgages. When people fell behind, the banks foreclose on the mortgages. Now the bank owns a piece of real estate and hopefully they can sell that real estate for what they are owed for the principal portion of the mortgage. Well, we all know well, not all of us, many of us know that that was not the case in millions of instances after the Great Crash. There were many homes that had $400,000 mortgages on them, and they, those homes were worth $125,000 after they were foreclosed upon. The reason for that is the complete opposite of what we have now, because we, have, we had a tremendous amount and a rapid influx of inventory and we had no qualified buyers or very few qualified buyers. We went through a recession. So the economy was receding, was shrinking. A lot of people were laid off or fired or companies went out of business. Or they, they were, their jobs were reduced so their income was reduced. So a lot of people did what they could to hold on to their homes and continue to stay in a, an apartment if they were paying rent. But there were very, very few people who could still qualify to get a mortgage back then. So we had an abundance of properties on the market and not enough buyers. So the prices went down, went down, went down. And now, and there were homes that people were buying for less than 100,000 bucks. Right here in the great city of Woonsocket, multifamily homes, three bedrooms for three, three units with three bedrooms each. People were picking them up for 60, 70, $80,000. Now, these houses needed a tremendous amount of repairs, repair work. But nevertheless, if you put $100,000 into that property, you owned a three-unit property with three bedrooms a unit for $150,000, $160,000. Those homes now are worth five, six, seven dollars $700,000. That's what they're going for. Okay? The median price of a multifamily home, so that could be a two-family home. The median price of a multifamily home is about $460,000 in Rhode Island. So the opposite, fifteen. 12 years ago, you know, in that range, 12 to 15 years ago, the opposite situation to what we have now. Why, why, why am I talking about this? Because one of the benefits to owning real estate is granted to property owners by our Constitution. And it's kind of the, it's managed by our politicians, so many times the politicians try to do things which infringe upon our private property ownership rights. Okay, so what, is, what does that mean? Private property ownership rights are if you own your home and you want to paint your home hot pink, it's your home. You can do that. Unless there's a law on the books that says... Homes can't be painted pink in the city of Woonsocket or the town of Cumberland or the city of Providence. You should be able to paint your home pink. And if there was a law, if there had been a law on the books trying to control what, you, what color you could paint your home, that would be an infringement on your excuse me, private property ownership rights. You also, the government should not make it more expensive to uh, unnecessarily expensive to own buy or sell real estate 
So if they said, well, you can paint your home pink, but you have to pay us a fee of $10 a month to have a house painted pink. That's infringing on your private property ownership rights. What they have done, they have been successful in some areas. In the state of Rhode Island and most states, we have um, transfer stamps. So every time you sell a home or a piece of real estate, you need to pay a tax based on the sales price of the home. And in Rhode Island, I believe it's about $4.60 per thousand. I'm going to look it up right now while we're in here. Let's see what we have. So essentially what that means is if you sell a $500,000 house and the conveyance tax is $4.60 per thousand, it's $4.60 times 500. Okay. So that is something that makes it a little expense. It's an unnecessary expense when you're selling a piece of property. Okay. Um, so that is something that infringes upon your right, your, the control you have over your home. Sometimes they've tried to do things, the government that is, have tried to do things that make it more expensive for people to buy homes. And they don't necessarily call it a tax. You know, you have to pay these extra fees when you're buying a home. If it's a more, um, let's say hypothetically, a mortgage application tax, we don't have that. But that would be something that would make it unnecessarily expensive to buy a home. Of course, you have to pay the bank if they used to have application fees. They typically don't anymore. Um, but that would be something that would be unnecessary. Okay, so yes, and I just confirmed it is four dollars and sixty cents per thousand in the state of Rhode Island. Okay, so that is a tax that ideally we would not want to have to deal with. We would not want to have to pay restrictions on what you can do on your property. Now, this is something that was a news item a few years ago regarding um, having uh, chickens and other, you know, quote unquote, farm animals in suburban neighborhoods. At what point does the government have the right to tell you you cannot have chickens in your backyard, Mr. or Mrs. Smith? If there is a law on the books ahead of time, okay, when I was a kid, I'll give you a perfect, perfect example. A million years ago when I was a child, we had uh, my parents gave my brother and I two ducklings for Easter. The Easter bunny brought them. Well, there was set of events, dog broke into the yard, killed one of the ducks. We only had one, didn't want to have a single duckling, so we tried to buy another one. We could only buy a dozen when it's not Easter. So we had to buy 12 of them. So now we had 13 ducks in my backyard. And I grew up in North Providence, and we had a good-sized yard. It was almost an acre. But, you know, it was not allowed. There was a law... Um, at that time, if my memory serves me, you could, the most animals you could have for domestic animals was two. So we could have had two cows, two horses, two pigs, two goats, two donkeys, and two ducks. But we couldn't have 13 ducks. Um, so that's the way the law was written. So we, you know, we had to get rid of some of the ducks. We gave them away. But um, there was some way, I can't remember why, but we didn't give all of them away. I think we reduced it down to like six or something. Um, I forget how we did that. But nevertheless, the government can have zoning laws and sometimes they are reasonable and sometimes they're not. So you want to make sure that the people who are making the decisions on that could affect you as a property owner and your property ownership rights, you want to make sure those people are not going to be doing things that unnecessarily burden you. Tenants, folks who are renting, this does apply to you too. Because, one, the ex if they're imposing unnecessary expenses on landlords for buying a home or owning a home, guess what's going to happen? Your rent is going to increase. If there are unnecessary restrictions placed on a property, as a renter, you have to abide by those too. So these are things that you 
want to be aware of and you should pay attention to. And the reason I'm talking about this is because we have a special election coming up here in our district, our congressional district. And there's an abundance, an abundance of candidates running, some of whom I think are laughable, some of whom um, I, I think are just anti-constitutional. Um, and then there are others that I know very little about and then some that I kind of like. I'm, I have to say I'm not really, I haven't warmed up to anyone yet. I haven't fully acquainted myself with all of them. And I'm not going to win say that you should vote for one or against one. But what I'd like to do is I'd like to talk a little bit about how do you determine who you should vote for? Now, this is a real estate show, so we're going to, by and large, be confined to real estate subjects. We're not going to get into um, a lot of the hot-button social issues or other constitutional issues, like the Second Amendment and abortion. We're not going to talk about that. But you should ask questions. So, you know, when you go to these candidates, if they have some kind of an event, a coffee in, or they're speaking somewhere, don't be bashful and just start off asking them a simple question. What is your stand on private property ownership rights? If they answer anything other than I fully support private property ownership rights and we should do all we can to defend private property ownership rights... If their answer is anything other than that, you need to ask follow-up questions. Okay, because the government is getting very overbearing and strong in this country, in this state, but the Congress as well. And we need to make sure that we, we, we have one voice. It's when we vote. You know, it, it's, a very, it's a very great voice when a bunch of us vote the same way. It's a very powerful voice. We need to exercise it. I've never missed an opportunity to vote since I was 18. We need to vote. You need to vote for people that are going to protect your private property ownership rights. This should be very important because if they won't protect private property ownership rights, they're probably not going to protect your other rights as well. And we have rights in this country that are granted to us by God and by our Constitution that people are literally dying for in other countries around the world. That people have literally escaped countries because they would have been prosecuted or persecuted there to come and live here. Our constitution is one of the two greatest constitutions on the planet. The one here and the one in Great Britain. And we should not allow it to be infringed upon it should not be rewritten. It should not be updated. It's not a living document. You know, we're very fortunate in that we had a lot of very smart, well-read, well-studied individuals who sacrificed a tremendous amount to write our Constitution and have us become released from the, the, our overlords of England back in the day. And over the past 250 plus years we've had tens upon thousands of individuals who've died for our constitution for the rights that we were granted by that constitution and there are so many people who are not engaged politically right now because there's so much noise back and forth left right this one, that one. <clears throat> There's a lot of noise out there, and, and, and it's very easy to turn it out and turn it off and disengage. And I, I beg of you, do not disengage. Pay attention to what's going on. If it's on the city council in Woonsocket, on the town council in Cumberland, city council in Pawtucket, town council in North Smithfield or Situate, pay attention. Go to meetings, listen. One thing I will guarantee you is you'll be surprised that many times there are a lot of knuckleheads who are up there talking and you just shake your head and I say, I can't believe that that guy just said that. Everybody has the right. They always have public, you know, an opportunity for the public to speak. Don't be intimidated if you're not a public speaker. You're just a regular person. The guys who wrote our Constitution were regular people. 
They weren't great public speakers. Some were. Most were not. It's very important to remain or become politically engaged at this point in our history. You know, there's a, there's a lot going on. There's a lot uh, that this Congress is going to be weighing and making decisions on over the next several years. And we have an opportunity to have a voice. Don't just vote because someone's giving you, you know, bringing pasta dinners to your senior center or your in a senior housing tower. Don't just vote for someone because they seem nice. They're all nice. As a politician, your job is to make people like you. That's the first thing that you have to do is make people like you. So when they hear you on the radio, they see you on TV, they meet you at a at a uh, you know parade or or some kind of party. Their job is to make people like them. Because they want your vote. So job number one, make people like me. Job number two, get people to vote for me. Ask for their vote. Ask for their support. Those are the top things that politicians do. As a voter, as a citizen, you don't even have to be a voter. Your job is to ask questions. You don't even have to you know, be registered to vote. You can still ask questions. You can still ask questions. How would you have voted on this piece of legislation, Mr. or Ms. or Miss? How will you vote on this piece of legislation if it comes to pass? What are your feelings on this issue? What are your feelings on something that commercial real estate investors are concerned with is something called the 1031 exchange. It's called 1031 because that's the section of the federal uh, code book, the Code of Federal Regulations, section 1031, which is like-kind exchange. So we've touched upon this in the past. If you own a three-family property here in Woonsocket and you bought it 15 years ago and you spent $50,000 on it, and then you put $100,000 into it, so you've got $150,000 into this property. Now you want to sell it, and it's worth $600,000. So that means you have a gain of $450,000. Well, let's say you don't want to pay all that tax now because your kids are going to college or you've got some other expenses you need to pay. If you buy another piece of real estate, that tax can be deferred and put onto the next piece of real estate. Now, the second piece of real estate has to be worth more. Or it could be a number of pieces of real estate. You could buy, sell one for six hundred, sell that one house for six hundred thousand. Then you could buy two three hundred thousand dollar properties that need a lot of work. Ideally, you'd want to buy two properties that totaled up for more than what you were what you were making on the first property. This is called the like-kind exchange. They have to be the same. So in other words, they'd have to be real estate. They both have to be real estate on both sides. Uh, and they have to be uh, investment real estate. Okay, You can't do it with a home that you live in. It can't be a residence. It could be a single-family home that you bought as a piece of investment property and you're renting out. Or a vacation, or, you know, a home by the beach that you rent out. You don't live there. But it has to be an investment property. And now, what, how does it qualify? How many days can you live there? We're not going to talk about that. That's a question for a tax specialist. <coughs> Excuse me. So, these are the things that are important. Now, why is that important to a, a tenant, to a renter? Well, if a landlord doesn't have to pay as much on in taxes and he can make the property nicer and better he's still going to have money property profit that he can make he will not have to pass on all of those other expenses directly onto the tenant in the form of rent 
You know, we have one of the reasons we have a problem with rent in this country increasing the way it has been is because there are just so many regulations on property owners, on landlords. You know, GFCI breakers, you've got to put, you know, hardwired smokes and, you know, it's $1,000 here, $1,000 there, $5,000 there. That has to be paid back. So now the landlords have to charge more rent. Okay. So you want to engage with your political leaders or people who are aspiring to become your political leaders in the case of this, uh, um, this special election for con- congressional district number one. You want to engage with them and ask questions. Ask questions, selfish questions that are related to real estate. And again, the first one, if you weren't listening at that time, what is your stand on private property ownership rights? And the only way to answer that question that's the right answer is I fully support and will defend private property ownership rights. Well, you know, I think private property ownership rights, I mean, we have to make changes as we need. That's not the right answer. And if they answer in some kind of a general way, you need to press him or her and ask them questions. Well, what would you support? What do you think is a good way for the government to infringe or to take away our private property ownership rights? Have them answer the question. And again, we're talking about the special election for the first congressional district, but this could be someone who's running for town council or city council because they have, they can levy taxes, they can levy fees. These are things that are, you know, they, it, it all adds up. You have municipal government that adds a few dollars here and a few dollars there to your cost to owning a home or buying a home or selling a home. And then the state adds a different kind of a fee or a tax. And then the federal government adds a fee or a tax or removes your ability to deduct the mortgage interest tax deduction. You know, they, they, they remove the ability for you to deduct your mortgage interest off of your income taxes. That's a nice deduction. Like when you're married and you have a couple of kids, you can deduct the kids off your taxes. Okay, you're given a certain amount of money. Private property ownership rights. Those three words are very important. And you need to stay on top of what these candidates are saying in their commercials, what they're saying, and you're probably being inundated like I am with flyers in the mail. You know, every day I get at least one or two. And some of them I throw away because I know what the candidates, where the candidates stand with regard to private property ownership rights. You know, I don't, I want to see if I can get some of them to come on the show. I don't know. There are so many of them. I don't know if it's even possible to get them all on. But uh, if you think that, uh, if you have a thought about that, please let me know. 401-409-5030. Folks, you're listening to the Joe Luca Real Estate Show right here on WNRI 99.9 FM, 1380 AM. You can also catch us on WNRI.com and on Spotify. Listen to us as a podcast. Um, that's the Joe Luca Real Estate Show. I want to thank our sponsors, of course, Anthony Bettencourt and Rich Nicholson at Beacon, Title, and Escrow. George Metz, GMETS. Moving and storage. The best move you'll ever make is choosing GMETs to help you move your belongings, whether it's taking them out of the house while you're having work done on the house, moving stuff from one side of the house to another, or moving from one socket to westerly. They can help you out. GMETs Moving and Sunge, 401-383-6399. That's their number. Please mention the Joe Luca Real Estate Show when you call. And, of course, Vern Rainville. Vern Rainville, public insurance adjuster. He works for you, the property owner. He does not work for the insurance company. He's looking out for you. 484-300-8495. 484-300-8495. 
8495. Vern Rainville, public insurance adjuster. I've referred him to clients. I've referred him to colleagues and friends. Um, and no one is ever less than completely satisfied. That's Vern Rainville, public insurance adjuster, 484 And please mention the Joe Luca Real Estate Show when you give him a call. You know, we've had a lot of rain. If you had noticed and you get a leak in the roof or water's coming in through your window, give Vern a call first. Give Vern a call first. He will take care of you. I assure you of that. And then, of course, uh, you know, we have John Dolbeck, who is um, our mortgage guy at uh, Fairway Independent Mortgage Corporation, 401-321-4401. We want to thank all of our sponsors, you know, Anthony Betancourt and Beacon Title and Escrow. They get all of our clients, buyers and sellers. Um, We refer them to Beacon Title and Escrow because they do a great job. And again, no one that we've referred to Beacon Title and Escrow has ever been anything less than completely satisfied. They do a fantastic job with our clients. GMET's moving in storage. Again, we're you know, they bat a thousand, you know, and that, and I give them a lot of credit because that's a, that's a challenge. You're moving people's personal belongings that uh, have a lot of m- sentimental value sometimes and can be super expensive, but they do a great job, you know, and they are very um, forthcoming and transparent with their price quotes. And get this, they don't require huge deposits like some of the, some of the other moving companies do. So that's GMET's moving in storage, 401-383-6399. All right, coming back to the topic, we're talking about private property ownership rights, why it's so important for everybody listening to pay attention to what your politicians are doing. If it's the city council, the town council, your state state legislator, state senator, or your federal representatives or senators. You know, I do have to say, uh, with regard to our senators, I'm very supportive of... Jack Reed, he has been very, very supportive of the um, housing industry. He's been very good with uh, helping us retain the mortgage interest tax deduction. And uh, we're fortunate that uh, he does that. You know, I've had some issues with him in the past because I you just look at all the money he gets from these lobbying firms for specific things. But he, you know, he helps housing. He helps housing. So, uh, you know, there's not a national union for home ownership or for homeowners. So, you know, we have to, we homeowners have to rely on the National Association of Realtors to do a lot of our lobbying. And as a realtor, I'm fortunate that they, that they do that. And by and large, they're pretty darn good at it because um, we still have the mortgage interest tax deduction. But it all starts with you as the individual, the citizen voter. You need to pay attention. You do not want to inadvertently put one person in Congress or on the town council or in the state house who does not support and is not willing to defend private property ownership rights. Because once they're taken away, they will never give them back. Okay. So we need to defend those. We need to make sure that we're doing everything we can and we have one voice and we need to exercise it prudently okay all right so that's uh i want to talk about regarding i wanted to talk about private property ownership rights and and the whole political the implications of political decisions that we have because i was listening to a lot of things on the news this morning and this afternoon and and then i got another one of those postcards in the mail today i was like you know what let's talk a little bit more about this because people don't know the average person doesn't know just you know the whole reason i started this show nine years ago was because i it was pain i was painfully aware that the average consumer knew so little about buying a home and selling a home i wanted to get some information out there for the consumer and i try to provide valuable information every week and I don't make it overly technical. I could use big words and technical terms all the time. And I try never to do that in this show because this show isn't geared towards other real estate professionals. This show is geared towards you, the real estate consumer. Okay. And I try to help people not be overwhelmed by the process. I mean, it's overwhelming in the sense it's the largest financial transaction of your life. Even if everything goes smoothly, you still have to pack up your entire life into boxes and suitcases and 
move from point A to point B. And if you have kids, you've got to get them in new schools and maybe you're starting a new job or you're just getting married or just getting divorced or it's a death or whatever. There's a lot of emotional baggage that is typically tied to buying and selling real estate. And that's why it's very important as for consumers to make a smart decision when choosing a realtor to work with. You know, I'm full-time and full-service. My life is real estate. It's not just, it's not a job. It's not something I do on the weekends or in the summer or I do between my shifts at another job. I don't have another boss who's going to say, no, you know, Joe, you've got to be in the office tomorrow. You can't go to that home inspection. You can't go let the appraiser in. No, I don't have that because it's my life. This is what I do. And that's important because part of my job is reviewing documentation that could impact your ability to buy or sell a home. Part of my job is negotiating on your behalf, on my client's behalf. If I'm not 100% all in intellectually and mentally on point, I'm probably not going to do a good job. Because I'm distracted. And you can only do one thing 100%, folks. I can't do my other job 100% and represent my clients 100%. Got to be all in. That's why I'm always reading, studying about real, studying real estate, what's going on in the market, what are interest rates doing, how many houses are coming on the market. What are the trends in this neighborhood? What are the trends in that neighborhood? Because I look at this every day. If I had to work someplace else, I wouldn't be able to do this. Now, would it be obvious that I was, if I were not completely dedicated, would the average consumer know that I wasn't? No. But they would not be able to extract as much valuable, excuse me, value from their real estate transaction if I were not up to snuff, if I were not fully engaged. Okay. So it's very important, you know, to work with a full-time, experienced, full-service realtor. I work with buyers and sellers. My number is 401-409-5030. If you have questions, if you know someone who's thinking about buying or selling a home, please have them reach out or you can reach out for them. I have clients who have reached out to me because it's time for them to move on because their kids have grown up. Um, I have folks who've reached out to me because... You know, mom or dad is, is, they're just, you know, they have to go into assisted living or they have to go into a nursing home. Those are tough decisions to make, you know, but I have a team that I work with who can help you in that process. If it's just getting the house cleaned, if it's decluttering, cleaning the yard up. I have licensed, insured professionals that I can refer you to to make your job easier because it's overwhelming overwhelming even in the best of situations and then sometimes surprises happen oh is that house going to appraise i hope so you know if i did my job right yes it will appraise and i just you know had a house and um we sold it it appraised okay so it's the reason you know the the what do I want to say? The impact of not choosing, not working with a full-time, full-service experienced realtor may not be apparent and you may not feel it at first. But if you work with a full-time experienced realtor, you will know the difference. Okay? And I've worked with folks who I'm like, I was their second choice or their second realtor that was listed with someone before they worked with that by another as a uh, as a buyer they worked with another realtor before i provide lots of information now i don't have a magic wand i can't get offers accepted all the time but i know how to negotiate and know how to put a strong offer together but if i tell a client that you need to pay three hundred twenty-five thousand dollars for this house and you only want to pay 315 don't be 315 don't be surprised if you don't get that 
house if the offer is not accepted because I factored things in like, oh, you're putting no money down because you're a VA buyer or because you're a Rhode Island housing. Or, and those are things that can work against you. I can put on, I can package it up and look at, make it look as good as possible. But if we're competing with someone who's putting 10 or 20 or 30% down, that's a tough, that's a tough one to overcome. And that's why sometimes it may be worth paying a little extra or putting a little more money down if you really want to get that house. Okay. So, folks, I want to thank you for tuning in. We're coming up to the end of the show. Uh, please stay tuned because Rick Mernier and the Old Time Preaching Ministry is coming up next. We're going to get some good Bible scriptural learning. Rick does a great job uh, preaching and explaining God's word to everyone who listens. So please tune in. Stay right here on WNRI 99.9 FM, 1380 AM, and WNRI.com. I will be back next week. Guess what? We're going to be talking about real estate. Ha ha. And um, it should be interesting. And it because I'm sure there will not be much of a change in the inventory by next week, and interest rates are probably going to be in the high sixes and low sevens. But uh, we'll have some other really interesting information for you guys to listen to. And if you uh, want to reach out to me, my number is 401-409-5030. And you can call or text me at that number. Um, and I will be more than happy to answer any questions. No obligation. If you're working with someone else already, you can still ask me questions. I'm not going to steal you away or anything like that um, because that's, that's not how I work. All right. So stay tuned. Rick Murney is coming up. The old time preaching ministry. And I'll be back next week. Okay, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye. WNRI One Socket.